Well, if you're in Big 12 country, this week is already off to a better start than uh, this past week was. I'll tell you that right now because it's not like minus 30 degrees. All right. So we're feeling good. Hopefully, if you are uh, down in Texas, you are uh, recovering quickly. If you dealt with some of the problems for the past week, just know that we are thinking and praying for you guys and um, have been here for the past several days. So there is a lot going on. I mean, we've got the Big 12 tournament here in a couple of weeks. We've got the NCAA tournament coming up here. In three weeks, Selection Sunday is two and a half weeks away. It's unbelievable. Spring practice is right around the corner in many of the uh, Big 12 schools. So I can't wait. It's an awesome, awesome time of year. I want to start off by having a conversation with you about something fun we did on the website that drew uh, a lot of attention. And I've been doing this for the past three years, but for some reason this year has got the most attention, maybe because the site just keeps growing uh, because of you guys, which I'm so grateful for. And a quick plug, by the way, on our forums. We've got our members' forums that are free, a chance to interact with other Big 12 fans. Just go sign up. We give away gift cards every week to the best poster. So please do go check it out there, and we'll uh, be talking to you on those message boards for free. But I did this fun thing where I re-ranked the 2018 Big 12 football recruiting class. And I did that because after three years, you get an idea of whether or not a class was a big hit or a big miss. And um, there's no doubt to me that Iowa State, they crushed it. They, cr- I mean, listen, some of you are going to say that I'm like just homering around Iowa State. I'm really not. Look at the 2018 class for Iowa State and tell me three years later how this is not the best class in the Big 12 from that year. It had Brock Purdy, 2020 first team all Big 12 quarterback. It had a Big 12 defensive player of the year linebacker Mike Rose. Um, it had guys like Greg Eisworth, Will McDonald, Anthony Johnson, Sean Shaw, Trevor Downing, Joey Ramos. I mean, this is a loaded list. Loaded list when you look back on that class for Iowa State, which had the first-team All-Big 12 quarterback, most notably, and the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. That's a hell of a class, all right? Number two, as we re-rank the 2018 uh, Big 12 football recruiting classes, Texas Longhorns. You may recall, this was actually, and by the way, I should say with that Iowa State class, 247 Sports had it ranked seventh in the Big 12. Texas had the top ranking in the conference. This was Tom Herman's first full class, and it was a very good class. Caden Stearns, Joseph Osai, Brennan Eagles, Deshaun Jamison, Joshua Moore. This was a really good class that Tom Herman put together. Now, maybe didn't live up to the hype, but still, there's a lot of guys that, that produced in this class, a lot of talent. And if quarterback Casey Thompson becomes a star this fall, this class will look even better because he was um, – he was in that class. And don't forget, this class had Dicker the kicker from Texas. Number three, uh, West Virginia, which at the time ranked as the number six class in the Big 12 back in 2018. I'm putting them at three because this had Dante Stills in it, top defensive end, one of the best D linemen in the conference. It also had starting running back Letty Brown. Uh, there are some nice pieces in here. Cornerback Keith Washington, linebacker Josh Chandler. Well, those are some big pieces on that defense, plus wide receivers Sam James, Bryce Ford Wheaton, even a guy like TJ Banks. Underrated class by Dana Holgerson. I got to give him a little credit uh, where it's due there. Number four, the Oklahoma Sooners, who in 2018 ranked as the second best class in the Big 12 behind Texas. I'm putting them at four after looking back on it in three years. Top two guys in this class, Bray Walker, offensive tackle, and cornerback Brendan Radley-Hiles, bookie. 
certainly didn't meet expectations. Uh, Bookies transferring, maybe unfairly the expectations were too high, but either way. Bray Walker, top 30 player nationally, top five offensive tackle, uh, a miss there. He's seen limited time. Ron Tatum at defensive end, uh, big miss in this class. It did have guys like Ronnie Perkins, Nick Benito, Delarian Turner yelled to Sean White, Brian Asamoa, Pat Fields. Uh, it has some really good defensive players, but interestingly, the defense is where this class made its mark, not on the offensive side of the ball. At number five, TCU, they were um, ranked third in 2018. I'm putting them at number five. A great one-two punch in that secondary. Trevon Morig and Ardarius Washington. Morig wins the Jim Thorpe Award given to the top defensive back in America. Both were under-recruited three-star guys who turned into uh, absolute studs and will be selected in the NFL draft. But I can't put them higher than five because this class was headlined by quarterback Justin Rogers. Remember that four or five-star guy, depending on the service, who famously had that knee injury his senior year of high school and was never the same. I mean, he really never saw the field, as I recall, for TCU. And, of course, he left the program. The other big prospect in this class was safety and Tanza Vongor, four-star prospect. He left TCU in the offseason. So uh, it, it was not at the top a great class for TCU, but there were some gems, as you would expect with Gary Patterson. Number six, the Baylor Bears. Uh, they were ranked in 2018 with the fourth best class in the Big 12. Solid contributors, Tyquan Thornton, Josh Fleeks at wide receiver, Connor Galvin at offensive tackle. Uh, maybe the best player is safety Christian Morgan, but uh, there were some pieces that either haven't worked out or either haven't had a chance to work out. Jerry Bohannon, quarterback at Arkansas. He was the big prospect here. Remember that late flip for Matt Rule landing Bohannon? But it's been Charlie Brewer's team, and even with Brewer gone, I bet you Jacob Zeno is the guy at quarterback based on what I've seen over Bohannon. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but uh, Jerry Bohannon has not, on the flashes I've seen, proven to be a guy that I think can, can help this team win big time in the Big 12. Number seven, Oklahoma State, as we re-rank the 2018 Big 12 football recruiting classes. They were ranked fifth back in 2018. I've got them at seventh, though. Uh, Spencer Sanders, quarterback, he was in this class. The top guy in the class was wide receiver C.J. Moore. He's not with the program anymore. Other top recruits, Bryce Bay, Javion Cardwell. Um, they have transferred out as well. Two of the other top prospects in the class, safety Sean, Michael Flanagan, Jonathan Shepard, they've made very little impact. So uh, the star in this class was safety Colby Harvell-Peel and Tyler Lacey, but there's really not much else. There just isn't. Number eight, Texas Tech. Their 2018 ranking was 10th, dead last in the Big 12. But in classic Cliff Kingsbury fashion, some underappreciated and underrated, underrated offensive talent. Who? Eric Azukanma, one of the better wide receivers in the conference. I always struggle with that name. Uh, Alan Bowman. He's transferring, of course, but the quarterback played great under Cliff Kingsbury. He hasn't been the same under Matt Wells and since he got injured back in that 2018 season as a true freshman. But uh, you look at those guys, Keyshawn Carter, running backs. Sir Roderick Thompson was in that class. So, you know, typical Cliff Kingsbury. Some nice offensive gems in there. Number nine. Kansas Jayhawks. Puka Williams was in this class for KU. And outside of that, not much else. I mean, David Beatty had a lot of Juco guys who aren't even with the program anymore. Uh, Puka Williams is a star. 
It's sad that he didn't get a chance to really showcase on any type of major level outside of Big 12 games, which, you know, if your team was playing Kansas, you might be checked out by the third quarter anyway. So Puka Williams keeps Kansas out of the basement in this class. And it's also because of who is in the 10 slot, and that's the Kansas State Wildcats. Now, in 2018, they were ranked with the ninth best recruiting class. Um, After looking at the class three years later, I've got it dead last. And in many ways, this was the last recruiting class for Bill Snyder, and it showed because there were not the usual number of diamonds in the rough. Like Philip Brooks, one of the lowest recruits in the class, has obviously made a great name for himself in the return game. Otherwise, guys like uh, John Holcomb at quarterback transferred out. Justin Eichmann, offensive tackle, never made a mark. Uh, safety Lance Robinson, fullback Luke Soa transferred. Malik Knowles at wide receiver, solid. They've worked their way in the starting positions. But for the most part, this was a sign, another sign that Bill Snyder had kind of lost that touch. And that's why we've got him 10th last in the Big 12 in re-ranking the 2018 Big 12 football recruiting classes. But it did get a lot of attention. And it's fun to do because you get to go back and see, geez, who crushed it? Who met expectations? Who didn't meet expectations? Uh, it's always fun to do. And I'm a big fan of 247 Sports and all the recruiting services. We use them. Uh, but it does show you, all right, it does show you recruiting's a big part of the game. You see what Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson do every year. Don't sit here and try to kid yourself that recruiting is not important. It is important. But at the same time, you can do a lot with guys that you see potential in, that you like, that maybe the recruiting services aren't focused on. And I would say that what Matt Campbell did is a case in point right there. No doubt about it. I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the Big 12 site. Coming up next, let's talk some Big 12 Hoops, Matthew Postens, our Big 12 basketball insider. He's coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, it's been a heck of a week for Big 12 basketball. you got schedule changes going on. You've got a loaded Tuesday night of action that we saw this week take place. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is your Big 12 site. And we welcome on our guy, Matthew Postens, our Big 12 basketball insider and guru on everything hoops. Uh, Matthew, Tuesday night. My goodness, what a uh, loaded schedule. West Virginia beats TCU. Iowa State gives Baylor a run for its money. Texas comes back to beat Kansas in overtime. And then Kansas State upsets Oklahoma. Isn't that just perfectly the Big 12 in a nutshell on Tuesday? And what do you take out of it? Yeah, that is late season Big 12, especially Kansas State, you know, upending Oklahoma, a very good <laughs> Oklahoma team. Yeah, I think the big thing that I came out of that was, um, you know, West Virginia now being, you know, fourth place, I'm sorry, second place by themselves in the Big 12 going into the last week and a half of play now, um, you know, as they go into these, this weekend's games. Uh, it's It's just, I think it's, it really sets up very nicely for that game Next week with Baylor, we finally get to see these two teams play each other. Uh, it's a game we've kind of been wanting for the last month. Why the Big 12 decided not to play it that, uh, this week, I, I really don't understand because West Virginia was in Texas. They're going to play at 4 o'clock. They canceled that game. So they rescheduled, I think, for Tuesday of next week. And, oh, guess what? They're going to play in Morgantown and the game's at 4 o'clock. If you're not going to move that game to prime time, why move it in the first place? Yeah. It doesn't even make any sense to me. But you know, big thing for West Virginia, being second in the conference, it gives them a bit of an edge. They're trying to get that second seed, trying to get that um, 
favorable game in the first round and not have to fight it out with, you know, some of the teams they've lost to this year, like Oklahoma, like, uh, uh, you know, Texas and teams like that. So uh, that that's a, that's a big takeaway for me. That is an excellent point. I, the way that they handle the schedule making was, was so strange um, canceling that game this, this Thursday of this week. So, what did you make of the way the schedule was put out? We'll, we'll get to more of uh, the action, but the way the Big 12 rolled out its new schedule, they used that buffer week next week that was always supposed to be a week to make up games. They didn't cancel the Big 12 tournament. I, I understand the Big 12 tournament, Matthew, is kind of meaningless this year, it feels like, but uh, Kansas City bent over to make it happen and get fans there, and I do think they value it. So is that what this was about versus saying, hey, let's just do two weeks of makeup games? Yeah, I think probably that's a big component of it, having the tournament there in Kansas City. You know, the, the thing is, these kids are used to playing three, sometimes even four games a week during non-conference. I, I realize that during conference play, that's not the ideal scenario. But, you know, Baylor could have played three games this week. And the thing that bothers me about the West Virginia change is that West Virginia, it's not like they were flying from Morgantown to Waco. They were already in Fort Worth. All they had to do was stay a couple of extra days and then go back home because their next games were against Kansas State uh, this weekend. Then they've got Baylor at home. And then I think they have another home game after that. That was the part of the schedule that really bothered me. As for the rest of it, I think they kind of just did the best they could, especially with Baylor, you know, having nine games to make up. I think they wanted to make sure that Baylor played at least everybody once. They had already played Tech once. They had already played Texas. They had already played Oklahoma. They hadn't played West Virginia yet. So they needed to at least get them to play West Virginia once to be able to say at least Baylor played everybody in the conference one time. And Mm -hmm. that gives them some, I don't want to say legitimacy, because I think think legitimately they are the number one team in the conference. But at least they can safely say we did everything we could to make sure that Baylor played everybody. This is an extreme situation, but you could also argue that a couple of those games, especially the West Virginia makeup game that ended up getting canceled, those games could have been played earlier in conference play. I think if you had really been interested in making sure that the early games that were postponed were made up, they would have canceled the Big 12 SEC Challenge and just played that weekend. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That's a very good point. So uh, as we look now at kind of where this race is in the Big 12, I know that Baylor had the scare against Iowa State this week, but is there any doubt in your mind that this is still the, the class of the conference? Or are you concerned that when you take off three weeks, more than three weeks, which they did, Matthew, it's not easy to get back in a groove when you've got the NCAA tournament here coming up in uh, three weeks. No, and, and they showed that, I thought, Tuesday night. I mean, they were behind at half. Um, Adam Flagler had a really good game for them. Jared Butler had a great second half. Um, the nice thing about this team is they have so many weapons that if one or two players is faltering, the other players can step up. I really kind of expected them to struggle a little bit against Iowa State. I didn't think they would lose, which they didn't. I also didn't think it would be a five-point game, which it was. But I thought they would struggle a little bit because we've seen West Virginia come back from a pause and struggle. We've seen Texas come back from pauses and struggle. We've seen other teams in this conference come back from pauses and struggle. So it's going to take them a little bit of time uh, to get back on their feet. But I think, you know, playing four games in what amounts to about, you know, nine days going into the Big 12 tournament, I think that's actually going to help them get back into a rhythm. And I'm not too worried about the rest for them because even though they, they play that following Sunday, which the Big 12 doesn't normally play on a Sunday, They've got three days off till they play on Thursday. So uh, when it comes to things like injuries, I mean, should that should that concern um, concern them at all? Or do you think that if you kind of work your way back into this at the right pace, they'll be fine come uh, Selection Sunday and then the NCAA tournament? I, I think they're going to be fine, I mean, okay. barring injury. Uh, you know, injuries are, are – those are the things that you simply can't prevent because yeah. those things just happen. Um, 
you know, I think the thing you're trying to avoid is wear and tear. And I think this schedule doesn't put a lot of additional wear and tear on Baylor. Even if they lose a game in the conference tournament, even if they lose a game, you know, here down the stretch in the regular season, I don't really think that impacts them as the number one seed at this point. Mm-hmm. Matthew Poston's our Big 12 basketball insiders joining us here on the show. So, uh, Matthew, you mentioned uh, where the conference is right now, West Virginia's sole position of second place. But I ask you this every week because it's fun and the answer changes every week. Are the Mountaineers the second best team in this conference? I think they're playing like it right now. Um, you know, Fort Worth is actually not an easy place to play. And and West Virginia has had some struggles there. And for them to be able to go on the road, I think what really speaks to the fact that they're maybe the second best team in the conference is if you look at their road record, they're seven and two this year. This yeah. is this is not just a good home team. This is a good road team. And it's because they are able to, you know, play different types of offenses because of the way they're aligned. And now they're able to play different kinds of tempos in terms of on the defensive end as well. Uh, their their outside shooters are shooting the ball very well right now. Derek Culver's having an all-conference kind of year. Um, they're they're really in a good spot right now, I think, to not just you know be competitive in the Big 12 tournament and maybe be that team that faces Baylor in the championship game, but but also a team that could go deep in the NCAA tournament because they're doing. I feel like they're doing everything well now. They're doing everything at a high level now. Not to say that you know they might not have a bad game here and there, but I think right now they're probably the most consistent team in the conference outside of Baylor and Oklahoma's right behind them. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. All right, Matthew. Now, when you look at the Candace Jayhawks, I know that they, they lost to Texas in overtime in a game that they had led uh, for much of it, but they're, they're making some strides here. It seems like before that loss, uh, you know, they had won five games in a row and maybe it wasn't against the best competition, but beating Texas tech is no easy task. What has started to turn for the Jayhawks and Bill Self's program here? I, I think that Bill Self has bought into simply just, I'm going to play my five guys. I'm going to play my starters and I'm just going to ride them until they peter out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they don't have much of a bench right now. And I know that Bill Self, you know, throughout December and January and part of February, he was trying to find two or three guys that could really help give him, you know, 10 minutes a, a spell to spell some of these guys. Kansas just doesn't have it this year, but they have five really good starters who, when they're playing at a high level, they're very productive. You mentioned that five-game win streak. In four of those games, all five of their starters were in double figures. So they have found a way to achieve some balance on that team offensively. They're still not that great defensively, in my opinion, but they have found a way to achieve some balance on the offensive side of the ball that makes them difficult to defend. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what has put them back in a position where, you know, I don't think they're going to win the conference tournament, but I think they're now looking at maybe being like, you know, perhaps a four or a five seed again in the NCAA tournament and being that kind of team that you don't really want to play in the second or third round of the NCAA tournament. That's exactly right. Suddenly they're that team that you see on the four seed line and you don't want to play them. Um, What about Oklahoma State? It looks like they are in the NCAA tournament if if things were to go as they appear to be going right now. Uh, The Cowboys did get a solid win this week over Texas Tech. They've got back-to-back games against the Sooners uh, Saturday and then Monday. Are we just kind of waiting for the other two to drop from the NCAA? Do you think that'll happen before Selection Sunday, or should Cowboys fans feel like, hey, we're going to be in this thing? I think at this point they should feel like they're going to be in this thing. Uh, I'm I'm kind of amazed that this appeal has not you know, even been talked about by the NCAA. But then again, at the same time, they're distracted by NIL and 
transfer rules and a whole bunch of other and stuff. Hey, and hey, let's they, be honest. Do they, want, they haven't, yeah. do they want Cade Cunningham to play in the NCAA tournament? Could that, I mean, I hate to be a pessimist, but could that be a driver here? That could be it. And, you know, they haven't dealt with Kansas in three years either. So yeah. <laughs> I think some of this is just, some of this is just their inability to oversight. But, you know, I would love to see Cade Cunningham be play in the NCAA tournament before he goes to the NBA. So, yeah, that could be a factor too. But, you know, I, I, I've been thinking back about appeals that I, I remember other programs putting up in other sports. And it, it does seem to take a while to get through the system. And I think Oklahoma State filed that appeal in July. And we're, I think, nine, eight months into it now. It's not unheard of for the NCAA to take a year to heal, hear an appeal. Mm-hmm. So I think at this point, Cowboys fans can safely, you know, if they want to make some travel plans to Indianapolis for the limited attendance, whatever that's going to be for the NCAA tournament, I think they're safe to do that. He's Matthew Postens. Talk to him every week. Matthew, great to have you on, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. Coming up next, final few minutes on the show on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Final few minutes on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, and uh, what a week it has been for Big 12 basketball. I mean, we have been debating, monitoring, and watching what exactly has been happening when it comes to this schedule. So it was announced on Tuesday that the Big 12 athletic directors were going to be meeting to discuss changes to the Big 12 schedule, and that included, upon first reports, Uh, the canceling of the West Virginia-Baylor game on Thursday. Now, West Virginia fans took this as, oh, Baylor doesn't want to play. That's not what it was. That was a call from the conference saying, hey, we got to move some things around here. So things did get moved around. Uh, Next week, if you recall how the season was set up, next week, the first week of March, was scheduled to be a flex week for any games that did not get played. We know there were several games in the Big 12 that did not get played. Uh, Baylor played the fewest games in the Big 12 when we talk about the conference schedule. So what do you do? Because this is tough, right? It's not easy to say, all right, we got to make up all these games, but you don't want Baylor, who hasn't played for three weeks, playing like four games in a week and then possibly three games and three games in the Big 12 tournament and then the NCAA tournament the next week. That can get guys injured to play that much. So, and people, I said that, by the way, on Instagram Live, which if you don't follow us on all of our social channels, please do. But I'm going to start doing more Instagram Live videos for breaking news. We'll have our podcast. That's not going anywhere. Uh, But, and the radio show, of course, and obviously Twitter and Facebook. But I will start popping on Instagram Live. So find us there at Heartland College Sports. I'll do some breaking news things there. And by the way, I put a poll up just real quick. I put a poll up. On Twitter this week, what do you guys want more of? Podcasts, video, written analysis. Podcasts came out on top. So those of you that listen on the podcast, I appreciate it. But I will say, if you're on the podcast, that's why you got to leave us a rating and a review because we want to continue to grow the podcast. And by leaving a rating and a review and hitting the subscribe button, that's how you help us tremendously keep growing the show so we can invest in more podcasts. You see how this works? <laughs> this is exactly how this works. <laughs> and we want to keep doing it, but we got to have, um, and we want to keep growing it. But to grow it and to do more of it, we've got to have a reason to do it. And that means being able to monetize it. So, and we don't, because we don't charge you anything, right? This is all free content we're giving you. 
But to do more of it, we've got to be able to invest in it and invest in it properly. So I want to be able to do that, but that's where I need your help doing it. So leave us a rating, review, subscribe if you're on the podcast, and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I've got a free Heartland College Sports koozie that I'll put in the mail for you guys. I appreciate that. Um, But this Big 12 schedule that was tweaked, we've now got the full slate for next week. On Monday, it's going to be Bedlam at 8 o'clock, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Stillwater. Tuesday, you've got three games, Baylor, West Virginia, TCU, Tech, Texas, Iowa State. Uh, Thursday, March 4th, Iowa State at Tech, Oklahoma State at Baylor, TCU at West Virginia, Texas at Oklahoma. Saturday, March 6th, Oklahoma State at West Virginia, Iowa State at K-State. And then Sunday, March 7th, Tech at Baylor and Texas at TCU. A lot of those games are on ESPN+. Plus. As well, And then you got the Big 12 tournament starting Wednesday, March 10th. There were some rumblings, maybe, that the Big 12 would cancel the Big 12 tournament. And that is something we wrote about, actually. Uh, Tory Cummings wrote about it on the site a couple of weeks back. And we talked about it on the podcast as well at that time. Being up here in Kansas City, I can tell you right now, the city bent over backwards to make this Big 12 tournament happen, allow fans. They're allowing 20% capacity uh, So for the city to bend over backwards, get fans in there, and then for the Big 12 to turn around and be like, oh, yeah, uh, about that tournament thingy-ding, yeah, um, we're not going to do it. Like, that would have really bothered Kansas City. And I know Kansas City is at the mercy of the Big 12, but I feel like they're great partners. The Big 12 tournament works really well up here. I know I'm biased being up here, but it's the perfect setting, T-Mobile Center, Power and Light, downtown Kansas City. I think it works out. Awesome for everybody involved. You got Grand Avenue there when it's popping and and you've got the outdoors things going and the weather's feeling like spring. Nothing better uh, in Kansas City if you're a sports fan. Outside of maybe a tailgate at Arrowhead Stadium during the AFC Championship game or something like that. But outside of that, it's a great time for just all Big 12 fans. So I never thought that was likely. But there were rumblings that it was on the table. And I'm glad that it was not apparently given a whole lot of consideration. I'm very glad about that. But it is going to be a a wild next couple of weeks in this conference where it looks like seven teams, seven teams are going to be dancing. 70% of the conference going to be in the NCAA tournament. Oklahoma State, likely that seventh team. Uh, They got a big win over Texas Tech this past week. Um, And, you know, they've got OU this weekend. And then again on Monday, back-to-back Bedlam's. I know that OU lost to Kansas State, but still, you win one of those games and you've locked yourself in. Oklahoma State, I think, is going to be dancing. They've got four games left against ranked teams, two against OU, at Baylor, at West Virginia. You win one of those, and I think you're solidly in if you are the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And I don't see an NCAA uh, discipline coming down before the big dance. That would be ah, that'd be dicey pretty late in the game at this point. I don't think it's coming down before Selection Sunday. So there you go. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. Our Big 12 site is heartlandcollegesports.com. So much content right now all over the site. We appreciate you guys being a part of the show, joining us here. Don't forget, sign up for our free message boards as well. We are building that thing up each and every day with your help. Talking to you there for free at heartlandcollegesports.com. Have a great rest of the week, guys. Enjoy the beautiful weather across Big 12 country, and don't forget, 
Leave us that rating, review, subscribe, free koozie your way. Email me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Love you guys. Talk to you soon.